Welcome, everyone, to Storytelling Podcast Week and our first session of the day, Pulling the Thread, Finding the Stories Within Our Daily Life, with Adela Mizrachi from Podcast Brunch Club, as she speaks to narrative nonfiction podcasters, Alex Schmidt from Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, Kim Chakanetza from BBC's The Film, Darius Hicks from Wild Black, and Ben Cutmore of Dark Histories, about stories from the past, around the world, our community, and what's right in front of us and how it influences our daily experiences. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week is a week of live stream sessions like this one with narrative nonfiction podcasters, audio drama, and fiction podcasters from across our world and our imaginations. If you have a chance, check out the recorded episode showcase featuring some exclusive and favorite episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week channel from many of the podcasters participating. You can also replay the live streams from the week on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast channel. So make sure to download the Podbean app and follow the Storytelling Podcast Week channel to receive notifications in real time about all of the live streams and specially released episodes of the week. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 500,000 podcasts. And as you're joining us for this session, you can see we also offer the ability to live stream directly from the app to your audience with Podbean Live, where podcasts come to life. For everyone listening, you can also start your own live stream for free on Podbean. And to get your first 30 days of hosting for free, use the code STORY. And now we'll hand it off to Adela from Podcast Brunch Club. Hello and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to moderate this panel, a group of excellent podcasters. Um, so I think we'll just start off by each of us introducing ourselves. Um, I'll, I'll uh, start and then I'll just kind of uh, pass it off to the next person just to kind of keep things easy. Um, so my name is Adela Mizrachi. I'm from Podcast Brunch Club. I'm the founder. We, um, it's basically Book Club for, Buffer Podcast for the, those of you that were on earlier. I did a little, a little explanation of it, but it's podcast listeners around the world get together in person in cities worldwide to talk about a podcast playlist every month. Um, so you can go to podcastmunchclub.com to find out more. And then I will pass it off to Alex from Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Thanks so much. And yeah, it's great to be here. Like, like Darius said, just an amazing group. Very exciting to me. Um, my name's Alex Schmidt. I'm a podcaster. I'm a comedy writer. I've, I've written for The New Yorker and The Onion and, and other places. And, uh, and I'm also a Jeopardy champion. And then my, my show is called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So it's a informational, funny podcast where we take something that people think is ordinary, something that people, you know, just don't think much about. And then me and my comedian guests, we explore the history and the science and the lore that make that thing amazing and make it something that you can come out of the show being excited about. Um, and it's been going for a little less than a year now, but I'm, I'm excited about it. And uh, I hope people dig it. And I'm glad to be here. Very cool. I just listened to your episode about the number two pencil. Very interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. So I'll pass it to Kim from The Comb. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm Kim Chakanetza. Um, I'm not a Jeopardy champion, um, oh. <laughs> but I'm a Zimbabwean journalist. I'm a Zimbabwean journalist based in London, and I present and produce a BBC World Service show called The Comb. And like its name, uh, The Comb is just about you know combing the continent for stories. So we work with BBC Africa using our excellent network of journalists. And um, our focus is on stories that not only reflect the diversity of the African continent, but you know, stories that might be under the radar or stories that are in the news, but deserve to be examined from a slightly different angle. But above all, it's just about allowing people who live the stories to tell them. And I've been doing it for almost two years now. Very cool. We actually included an episode of yours on a podcast Brunch Club playlist a couple of months I ago. I know you did, and we were yeah. thrilled. So thank yeah. you for that. Of course. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll pass it off to Darius from Wild Black. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm Darius from Wild Black. Um, as, mm -hmm. as, as regarding to the Jeopardy champion, I, I am also one, if you count video games. <laughs> I've done it a couple times now, so you know I'm I'm, I'm ready for I'm ready for the battle. But uh, I've, I've been a podcaster my entire life. I just didn't know it until I found the medium and the platform to expand myself. Basically, Wild Black is a podcast that does four things. It steps into 
the black and brown world and creates awareness around topics that we are under aware of or unaware of. Number two, we correct misinformation that's commonly accepted by the community. Number three, we create inspiration to go, grow, and succeed. And the fourth thing that we do isn't about the Black community at all. It's about people who are out of culture. We create a safe space for people out of the Black culture to come and get the answers to the questions that they're too afraid to ask out loud. And, and the reason is because as a society, we find ourselves in this place where labels are abound. And if you receive the wrong label, even if you are well-intentioned, it can have dramatic impact on your world, your life, and your livelihood. And I want all of those people who would be allies and accomplices to find a place to get the information they need to step into their full selves. And so that's what Wild Black is all about. It started from passion and grew into purpose. And I'm just very happy to be here with everyone today. Excellent. Yes, I listened to an episode of yours as well. It was really well done. Um, and I love how you said you were a podcaster your whole life, but didn't even know it. I think that I think that resonates with a lot of people. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll pass it along to Ben from, uh, yes, Ben from. Oh, hi there. So, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Ben from Dark Histories. Um, definitely resonate with the, you know, podcaster my whole life without realizing. I think I've been doing the podcast about four years now um and it's you know started off as like a, a little kind of hobby that accidentally sort of spilled out into what it's become which is i guess a, a, a narrative driven kind of non-fiction podcast about fringe history mostly i suppose you could say uh which sort of encompasses sort of historical true crime um delving a lot into the folklore um i like to try and sort of come from like a lot of uh, a sort of social science angle and try and sort of investigate you know what made people believe the things they believed in when, when, when we get into sort of subjects that are a bit more supernatural or sort of unexplainable things like that but yeah I try to tend to try and sort of pick at you know what made people believe like that the, the things that that are often pretty off the wall and quite wacky um yeah I guess that's about that very good. Welcome. I also listened to your episode about the skeletons. I forget the exact title, but it was... Ah, oh, the Screaming Skulls. Yeah, right. Skull. <laughs> just wild. What a wild story. <laughs> um, so let's um, just launch into some of the questions. Um, so I thought we could start with just going around and talking about storytelling, um, since obviously we are participating in the Storytelling Week. Um, I guess my question for you is what inspires each of you to tell the stories within your show? Like what brings you inspiration? So um, I don't know if it's easiest for you guys to just sort of speak up or do you guys want me to call out just to make it a little easier? Yeah, maybe, maybe call out. Okay. <laughs> so Kim, why don't you go ahead since you're un unmuted anyway? Sure. <laughs> well, you know, as a, as a journalist and someone who's lived in, in different parts of the world, um, I've had you know, I'm Zimbabwean and I've had the unique experience of obviously seeing the African continent, which is the focus of our podcast from different vantage points. So, you know, someone living there, then someone living elsewhere. And for a long time, the, the narratives tended to be on very extreme ends. You know, so you, you're telling to hear about, you know, the big stories, tragedies often, and, um, you know, very little about the daily lives of people, you know, so we were very interested in unpicking those stories, hearing from the voices of people you don't normally do. And so that is essentially what has sort of inspired our podcast, that idea of getting to understand sort of the texture and the lives of people who live there. And, and the stories aren't focused on, you know, major earth-shattering events. They're just about the daily lives and speak to the way we live and the moment we are living in. So that's really what inspires me, just sort of hearing about the everyday. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, um, I feel like that would segue really nicely with Darius, because I think that that's kind of similar to what you're doing with um, just trying to give a perspective of just everyday life. Um, so why don't you go ahead and answer the question? Absolutely. And, and your question was around inspiration. And for me, honestly, inspiration came later. This was much more of, a, of an obligation and a realization of, of purpose. Uh, when, when I looked around me at what was happening in, in the world that I lived in, and when I looked at people who, who shared my hue, I, I saw a world that was 
oftentimes dangerous, right? A, a world that was full of concern. And the obligation for me came out of, I have honestly been blessed with an amazing upbringing and excellent education, uh, amazing job opportunities and, and business opportunities. And what I wanted to do was create a place where I could take all that I knew, all that I was and all that I was connected to and, and build a platform that, to inject that back into the community. In essence, I wanted to take my chances and fulfill my obligation to create a stronger black community around me. And, and what, I, what I realized in doing that was it wasn't just about the community, it was about me. And when I began to expand it even more, that's where the fourth pillar kind of came in. I saw an opportunity to inject into the broader community and just create a better space with a more informed group of people, black, white, other, and really kind of surface empathy, which leads to understanding and hopefully lead to equity and equality. And the inspiration actually came in on the back end when I realized just how broad and impactful this platform of Wild Black could be. So that's, that's how inspiration and passion and purpose and obligation kind of mix for me there. Very good. I love that answer. Um, how about um, Ben? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of funny that when you listen to Dark Histories, you might think that it's about bigger events and things like that. But actually, what, what did, did inspire me and, and, and what still inspires me today is is how I, I, I feel like our, our daily lives, are, you know, to, to each and every one of us, or all of our daily lives are, are what we consider sort of air quotes ordinary. But in fact, when you sort of start picking them apart, there's interest for everyone, you know, and there's a lot of kind of intrigue in 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 everything we do with our daily lives, really. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I think that inspired inspires me to sort of pick out these stories that I try and find. And, and when I'm looking for stories, so often they are bigger events than you know, like they might encompass like like like, like a murder or or you know a crazy poisoning or someone sort of seeing a ghost and 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 communicating with it or, or whatever um and that might seem quite wacky to us on the surface but actually when you sort of dig below that it becomes very like we, we can find parallels in all of our lives i think to, to to a lot of these stuff i mean obviously some of the murderers are a little bit different but, but like um you know ge generally speaking i think a lot of times you can find beneath it a very ordinary person um who's living a, a life just the same as, as most of us. Um, and, I, and I think that's what really interests me about the stories that I tell is like the, the, the almost like the minutia that, that is, is not so interesting on the surface, but in fact, it is far more interesting and, and relatable in a lot of ways. Say the murders are a little bit different, maybe. I, I feel like in, in a way, Dark History, you have to kind of split. There's like the true crime episodes and maybe they're a bit more tough to sort of relate to from hopefully all of us um <laughs> but like the other episodes you know where we deal with like the folklore and the supernatural and, and things like that um you know I, I feel like oftentimes it's just it's just our daily lives you know and it's just mm -hmm. we that, that it might seem crazy and out there and at, at first of course it makes you go what are these people thinking you know why do they think like that but then when you actually pick it apart you go okay, I, I see that. And that's actually quite, you know, you can see how it relates to everybody's daily lives. So mm -hmm. perhaps, perhaps that's my big inspiration, I guess, is like the interesting, like the intrigue of the mundane in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm starting to hear like a little bit of a theme here with like empathy, just kind of like exposing people to different, um, you know, periods of history and people um, and just kind of giving them that lens from which to view their lives and like kind of get like offer an opportunity to um, listeners to have empathy for people that they might not have exposure to, you know, so I'm, I'm liking this theme. Um, so Alex, I think you're the last person on this. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I'm glad, so glad to have heard all that. It's very resonant. And, and I think with, with the show I make it, it started as, as almost more of an itch than a than a, a mission or, or a grand uh, attempt to do something. It's that just each thing I come across and situation I'm in, I want to be interested in it. I, I want to find the 
the things in my refrigerator amazing or the or the refrigerator it's like we did a whole refrigerators episode i want to be amazed by that uh and my my building and my street and world and everything around me and uh so it's it's i think with the stories on the show i i am excited to to find myself hopefully pulling a rabbit out of a hat of oh actually number two pencils there's a bunch of history there and there were graphite mining barons in siberia and and there's all kinds of reasons to to pick up your pencil and say that's thrilling um and the the other thing with the stories of it is that i i think when it kind of goes into something that's going on in the world that's uh, that that's also very exciting and rewarding too like the the very first episode of it was about us post offices and and mostly excited about you know, fun things like there's a, a, a mule-based post office at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and there's a boat that's its own zip code, and just amazing elements of that system. Uh, and then as we were making it in August of 2020, there were, you know, people at the federal level messing with the postal system in a way that seemed designed to mess with the election. And there ended up being a lot of, uh, you know, like important things to stumble onto. Uh, so it, it's been a really nice mix of all kinds of stories as the show's gone on. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the things you said very like um the 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 podcasts that pop into mind that are sort of like along those lines are like ninety nine percent invisible where you kind of dig into the things yeah. that you know might not be like people just kind of overlook because they pass it every day or whatever. And also everything is alive, which you know gives voice I mean not that you do this, but like the giving voice to inanimate objects kind of thing. So very well right, right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not bold enough to to become them, but I, I want to talk about them. I want to <laughs> explore them and, and check them out for sure. Yeah, so um, pulling on the thread of the theme, which is pulling the thread and unraveling stories from the world around us. Um, so like we're, we talked a little bit about inspiration and then there's the other side of it where like our lives can feel pretty cluttered or heavy with details of like the day to day of our lives. So um, how do you guys decide or find the stories that are important and necessary for you to tell um, for you, your audience and your community? And let's just go um, with Alex. We'll just go back. Yeah, I can. What, what, let's flip it. Yeah. I, I uh, with, with the show I'm doing, it's patron support. And then there's been a really nice recent development where more and more I'm having the audience directly pick topics because with with this kind of format all i need is the jumping off point like i when i'm picking the topics i'm just saying oh what's something where i want to know its deal i want to know where it came from i want to know like I, I keep thinking of that pencil show because i just made it but why is there a number two pencil why is there one grade of pencil that is considered normal and and the main one we're all using um, so it's been really joyful to have patrons suggest topics, vote on them, and then, you know, truly let the audience guide where it goes. Uh, and then it's kind of a, a surprise for all of us. I get, I get to just go to the library and find out where we're going. Cool. So I think then we'll go to Ben. I think that was the second to last person we went to this last time. Sure. So, um, I think I'm quite chaotic about the way I do it, actually. Um, and it, it's, it's really, I think there's like two sorts of stories. And I, I have the bigger ones, which sort of a bit more well-known, bit bit more sort of famous stories in history. Um, and I, I basically, I, I just think I'll approach them and, and if I am interested, really, because I think there's no point doing something if I'm not interested in it myself, because I won't do a good job. Um, but the most most of my stories just come from, being you know spending all far too much time reading archival newspapers <laughs> and just just sort of wasting hours a day reading victorian newspapers and 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 eventually you know you find these little stories and, and sometimes you know they don't lead anywhere and and other times you sort of you find just a maybe like a a, a short sort of half an inch column of a story and you sort of find a name in there and you start pulling and pulling and suddenly it becomes you know you you find out where they were born and who they were and 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 you know what got them to position they're in and 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 and, and yeah I think that that is probably how I mostly sort of pick my stories is it's just through reading archival papers and finding the stories that tickle me maybe like maybe they make me laugh maybe they make me kind of 
my jaw dropped to the floor sometimes and you know and and sort of picking at them and the ones that unravel and 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 have a bit more to them are the ones that i i go with very cool yeah darius i think that resonates with you it, it does it does very much so right there are, there are various ways that we tell our stories but, but much like ben just said there are some stories that demand you tell them right you you, you don't have a choice you you are obligated to tell this story Sometimes you know why, sometimes you don't know why. And, and that's a, a big part of what we do. Um, the, the other things that happen for us is it's the story that demands that you tell it. There are also stories that need to be told even when we don't want to hear them because there's a lesson to be learned or some information that can be gleaned from those stories. But I, I honestly think our biggest section falls into two buckets. It's people who reach out to us with amazing pitches that just makes sense. And those can live in either bucket of the story that needs to be told or the story that has to be told. And then lastly is engaging with our audience and, and in staying in steady contact with our, our listenership. They come to the table with recommendations on things they need personally, things they think the entire community needs, and they lead to some of the absolute best episodes we've ever had. And, and the beauty in it is I'm sure this this is for all the podcasters on the panel, but your podcast grows beyond your own ability to concept it, right? We have talked about so many things on Wild Black that I personally, as Darius, as a person, never even gave thought to and would have never, if it had been up to me, would have never found our way to have these discussions about. So engaging with your audience and being an engaged audience member or listener is, is critical to the success of a podcast like mine. I love it. I'm, I'm a huge um, community fan of just community in general, which is why I started Podcast Munch Club. So I really, that resonates with me a lot. 100%. Um, Kim? Yeah, I think yeah, a little bit of what everyone said. Um, from the very beginning, our intention was to be as audience-led as possible. But that takes time, you know, building that audience um, and people have to sort of understand what it is that you're after and get a feel of you first. So that's something we've been working on. Um, but we definitely have been having people suggesting stories more and more. Um, it's also for us about being on social media and trying to keep a finger on the pulse of what people are talking about. Um, for example, last year, I kept on seeing on my feed people talking about black tax, which within an African context is loosely defined as when there's a financial expectation placed on anyone who's working, you know, if, you're, if you've got a job, to support your family members, regardless of how much you're earning. And it just seemed to be everywhere. I just kept on seeing posts about it. Um, and so I was, it was at the back of my mind to explore. And then a listener got in touch and said, please, could you? jump into you know please can you explore the story and so then i went to find people who could illustrate the story um i'm also really fortunate in in these in terms of that we have this whole um network of journalists bbc africa journalists and what is great about the comb is because we are a newsroom there are stories that might not work well on the news that might be a slightly, a slightly odd fit for the news. And so people can come to us because those are the stories that we want, the stories that are under the radar, the stories that are not making the news, um, but are interesting and you know, tell us something about how people are living. And so we also have or plugged into that wonderful network of journalists. Um, so yeah, that's how we, we do it. Very cool. Yeah, I hear also like a theme in, of this question is like sort of just following your curiosity. It sounds mm -hmm. like you all I think everybody, you know, all podcasters probably do that to a certain extent, but that seems to be a theme in how you find your stories. Um, so the next question I wanted to go with was like, as you, as you um, pull those threads and you guys have all been, well, as you answer this question, maybe you can also um, just answer the question, how long have you each been podcasting? I think some of you answered them in the beginning, but I think we've had some new new people arrive, so you can just remind people. But um, have you sat, found any like commonalities or themes, shared experiences um, or coincidences that you've noticed in the stories that you tell? So we'll go with Kim. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. I, I, you know, I've been thinking about this question a lot. And um, 
Hmm. What I found um, is that, for example, I did an, an episode about um, people living with albinism on the continent, and that can be a really difficult experience um, in certain countries because of attitudes and you know, beliefs and myths. Um, so I did this episode about people with living in, um, with albinism, and then I'll, you know, I did another one about um, on the pressure on people to learn English and French, and how that's leading to, you know, the younger generation, younger people um, losing the ability to speak their native tongue. And those episodes seem quite different, but at the heart of it was a, a question about identity, you know, and that comes up in all sorts of ways. And today, for example, I just recorded an episode about a woman in Kenya who at birth had been given a Christian name, you know, European name, which is a very common practice in different parts of the continent. But later in life, she, thought, she came to realize that she felt that was a really bad fit for her. And as she learned more about her country's politics and history, she just decided that she wasn't going to keep that name. She's going to change her name altogether. And so... As I've looked at all the episodes that we've done, I find that there is this common thread of identity, people's quest for identity in different ways, uh, you know, trying to see where they belong, how they fit in. So, yeah, I think for me, there's constantly people reckoning with identity throughout our episodes, but in more sometimes in more overt ways and sometimes in more subtle ways. And remind me how long the comb has been going. Yes, uh, we started in April 2020. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's all about perspective. Because if you look at if you look at what we do on Wild Black with, with one viewpoint, you'll see a commonality between every single episode. And, and that is at, at its crux education, awareness, making something better. But that's a that's a broad connector. And very strategically when I design the podcast, I focus on diversity. Right. And in this context, it's diversity of, of thought, diversity of opportunity, diversity in, in every element, because if you consider all that a human being is, it's really hard to put us in a box because ultimately we are responsible for everything we see, touch, feel, hear and experience. And we try our best to make sure through the context of black and brown people, we explore all that we are as humans. So the topics themselves could range from an episode about being a classically trained black cellist with an amazing viewpoint of the world and the way the world works, all the way to the extreme of living with HIV or, or even more so what it's like in the world of an exotic dancer. And it's not the purview of I take my money, my clothes off for money. It was about the American beauty standard and how it impacts wage, safety, you know, career advancement. And some people may roll their eyes, but for a subset of people, that is a real, real thing. So again, where, whereas the connective tissue is education and awareness, every single episode is so vastly different because it comes at the problem and solution from a very, very different context. And, and that was honestly something to weave in the, the answer to the question about how long that was something that we developed, I'd say halfway through season one into season two. And, and right now we're we're moving into our third year. And it's been a, an evolution of how we do what we do in that time frame. But yet every episode is about education and every episode is extremely diverse in the context of that education. Yeah. Um, I love the the building awareness aspect of it too, just an exposure. I think like exposing your audience to just different, you know, lives and, and lifestyles is just so important, especially when we can't go out in public right now and meet people face to face. So Absolutely. And thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Ben. Yeah, so I've been going about four and a half years now I think I think it's about oh. four and a half years um, and when I started really that there wasn't really like a, a common theme or anything like that and, it, and as I've gone over time I've kind of noticed more and more that there's the obvious theme where I, I sort of pick fringy topics which might seem like quite mind-blowing or, or kind of like sort of shocking to some people but beneath all of that really there's this sort of 
I feel like with again and again, and it's a coincidence that I've found is that you pick these stories and, and no matter how out there or shocking or how far removed from daily life you might think they are, almost every time, if you remove any reference to dates or names, because names often give it away, um, it, it, it could be timeless and you could find direct parallels to things that happen today. And I mean, if sort of recently I did an episode on a, 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 a series of murders from Texas in the 19th century, which the papers called the Midnight Assassin and, and, and sort of sensationalized it in this way. But it had direct parallels. You know, if you stripped away any of that, it had direct parallels to the, the, the challenges of racism that we still have today. And, and it was clear as day, you know, um, and, and that, I feel like goes across almost every episode and you can go as wacky as you like and you'll still find parallels today. And it's often episodes that you think, oh, these people in the past, they were crazy. How did they believe that? Like, for example, I did an episode on um, phantom airships in the 19th century. And you look at that and you think that's crazy until you actually sort of really look at it. And you think, well, actually, this is, you know, the sort of seedlings of the same feeling and the same the way it was evolved as the Cold War and things like that and how the Cold War operated in the media and stuff like that. Uh, you know, folklore and, and, and stuff like Spring Hill Jack and the Ben and Dante, which are these kind of like Italian anti-witches um, from like the Middle Ages. And, you know, these things seem crazy, but actually they have direct parallels today to how our oral traditions still work and, and you know, modern folklore and urban legends and how they evolve and, all of this stuff, I feel like, yeah, that's, I, I guess my point is that the coincidence for me is just that you pick these stories which seem so out there, and yet they're almost always, can, 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 you can find direct parallels to something that's going on today. Absolutely. History repeats itself, right? Abs absolutely. It really, uh, yeah, quite glaringly sometimes. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, Alex. I man, I I'm hearing so many resonant things about the complexity of things, and 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 yeah, with with any story of non that from nonfiction and story of what's going on in the world that uh, that just means the world to me to find out that there's more going on there than I expected. Um, if there and and yeah, this show it started August 2020, and and if there have been common things. Um, there's a lot of history in it, and, and I've, I've just been really delighted to find out how close people are to it. Like I did um, the, the episode about refrigerators, we talked about uh, this old profession of ice men, which is people who delivered blocks of ice to ice boxes before we had electric refrigerators. And multiple listeners told me their grandfathers did it. You know, and, and we got the first big commercial refrigerators in the 1920s. Like that, that's a long time ago, but but you can touch it, you know, you can see it from here through, uh, through some people's families. Um, and there's also a, you know, a lot of, a lot of modern things come up on the show and it's been neat to find out that a lot of, you know, systems that seem incredibly complex and seem like there's just way too many moving parts to ever understand. Uh, there's, there's often just a couple of people or even one person at the center of it, like with the, um, with the number two pencil, the history of that grade comes from Henry David Thoreau and his dad, who started a pencil making company in Massachusetts. It's you can pinpoint the person who did it. Uh, there's also there's an episode we did about ketchup, and it turns out Heinz, like this giant ketchup company, they have one guy who his job title is head of tomato technology, and he's in charge of the taste of Heinz ketchup. <laughs> And his, his name is Hector Osorno. There's delightful pictures of him online. Like, like you, can, you can put a face on kind of everything in your world. And I find that thrilling. I, I, I want to know about him. I don't want to see the, you know, the Heinz mascot in an ad. I want that guy. Yeah, very cool. I could, I could vouch for that. Like, it's really interesting to think, like, you look at everyday objects and think, how many people have touched this? Like, not, not just physically, but just, like, in the creation or the ideation of it. It's really fascinating to think about how many people are like you know living in the things that are in your in the room that you're sitting in right now yeah and especially when they put so much care into it like it, it's it makes you feel excited about 
going out and being a person like, oh, I, I can be the, the tomato technology master. Yeah, right. this thing. I'm... There's a job for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, very cool. So on to the next question. So, um, you know, you guys all sort of focus on some similar, some different elements of storytelling, right? Some, some is community, some are people-based, history, things. Um, so for the people in the audience, how do you think that they can like peel back the layers of our own daily lives to discover the stories that we live amongst? Any, um, so we'll just go with Alex. I can, yeah, yeah, happy to. Um, well, I think the, the, the thing for the, the kinds of things my podcast is about basic openness, basic curiosity goes a long, long way. Um, there's, and I, I guess it's a concept from 99% Invisible, but reading the plaque of, of what everything is around, I, I think that uh, can be very meaningful in enjoying the space you're in and the place you're in. Um, and, and also a, a thing I'm curious about really more for the rest of the panel um, is uh, like, like the process of drawing stories out of guests, because I, I feel like that's a big, that, that's not really something on my show, the, the guests are there to join me in exploring my research and having fun with it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, like, intimate and important and powerful thing to, to receive somebody's story from them personally. So I'd love to hear, you know, what, what goes into making that go as well as it can, because I'm fascinated by that. Oh, I think, did I cut off? Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I, was oh, on, hello. I, I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. No, no, that was my fault. <laughs> Um, I was going to say Darius um, can go next. I'll, I'll come back to them. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Look, we, we had the first muting error, so I had to make sure I wasn't the second. It happens <laughs> enough. It happens enough. I, I've been there many times. Um, you know, for, for, for me, there are a couple of things that come to mind. On Wild Black, we do this thing called a dope quote, which is something from history, theology, religion, science, mathematics, entertainment, arts, culture. It doesn't matter. Um, but it comes from the mouth of someone who's speaking to the topic of the day. And when we start talking about stories, there are two that really come to mind. And, and one is a, a foundation for what we do. But one is by Maya Angelou, and it says, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. And, and I'll correlate that to, to my favorite quote, which is by James Ball when it says to be black and relatively conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. The two don't sound related, but where they intersect for me and how they relate to anyone telling a story is if you pay attention to what's inside of you, if you pay attention to the voice that you can only hear when you truly focus and take a moment with self, your story is there asking you to tell it. And it typically comes from a, po a point of pain, passion, or pleasure, right? It's, it's those three emotions that drive so many of our stories. And so for people out there looking to kind of fold back that onion and, and truly figure out what story they are supposed to tell, I'd say it's much more about sitting with self, being very authentic and open with who you are and allowing that story to speak through your voice and tell the world about its existence. And, and that's what we try our, our best to make sure that we do and connect people to and help people to figure out how to tell those stories. There's a, there's a podcast by the name of You Had Me in Black, and they do a phenomenal job, not of just pulling stories together, not of just collecting stories, but of actually working with everyday people who walk the streets on a normal basis and helping them to tell their own stories in a way that's meaningful, creates impact, and allows people to ride on an emotional wave of self. And, and one very strong connective point as an example inside of Wild Black is we've sat down with Martin Luther King III twice. And in the first episode, it was, such an interesting moment because to all of us, Dr. Martin Luther King was an icon, was a legend, was a, a mountain mover. But when you hear Martin Luther King III in a very personal interview talk about him, 
you hear this missing element of dad. We never think about the dad in the man, right? We think about the man in our history, but he's forced to see this major force in civil, human, and social rights, but he's also dad. So when you hear Martin talking and speaking, you, you hear the emotion, you hear him break down and cry about his own father not being there, not being part of his journey to becoming a man. I think his father died when he was, say, 12 years old. And, and he talks very much about that. So him telling his story allows us to add a depth to our understanding of the stories that have been told to us. So now when I look at Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King, I don't forget all that he's done. I don't forget the impacts that he's had. I don't forget the presidents that he sat with an influence. But now I also remember the name dad for him. I also remember the emotion that a 12 year old boy still holds for his father in his 60s today. And so the, the combination of realizing that emotion and that pain inside of him allowed him to tell a story that the world had never heard before. And that's something that each one of us has the, have the ability to do as long as you sit with self, take the time, analyze how you're really feeling and let that story tell itself through your voice. Wow, that was really powerful. I love that. Yeah, I think self-awareness is, it's, it's hard to come by because you do have to sit with yourself, but I agree, like it's, a, it's pretty powerful. It is, it is. Um, ben. So uh, every year at Christmas, I, I mean, most of my stories don't, don't come from my listeners, but every year I do a, a Christmas campfire episode, I call it, and it's um, basically listener stories. And it's a sort of my attempt at bringing back the old tradition of sitting around a fire on Christmas Eve and telling ghost stories, right? Which is, you know, um, you might think quite sort of a, a bit sort of throwaway and flippant or whatever, but... It, you know, it gives people a chance to tell a story that actually maybe they haven't told anyone in their real life because they feel embarrassed or ashamed or, you know, self-conscious about telling that story. And it's very flattering that they sort of write to me and tell me their stories. And and, and so often, they, they, you know, I get emails from people that say, this is my story and I've, you know, I've never really told anyone. And it's, it gives them a chance. I, of course, on, on, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a skeptic or what, like I'm fairly skeptical about that kind of stuff which is even more flattering that they then you know feel that they can send me their story but they're my favorite episodes like it's you know is telling other people's stories um you know straight from you know I just read exactly what they they, they write to me and I just read it out and give them a chance to kind of air their story and and hopefully it can be you know quite cathartic and and, and sort of provoke a bit of empathy as well in, in maybe people as well um but yeah, they're, my, they're certainly my favorite episodes, just telling other people's stories like straight. Um, mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Empathy. There's that word again. Um, Kim. Um, yeah. So I guess for me, it's about coming to approaching each story and each guest with curiosity, which you know we've touched on um, and trying as much as possible to to not come into the room with preconceived notions, which is actually quite a hard thing to do. Um, I also really try to practice as much patience and listen very carefully because I think sometimes you have come in and you're thinking you're going to hear a particular story, but if you're listening, you know, you, the story might pivot into another direction and following the person you following that person to whatever direction they are wanting to go to and sort of exploring that. And, you know, sometimes you might veer off and, you know, land somewhere else that's you know even better you know um so it's just that kind of being respectful of your guest and, and and listening but i also also think um i really try to do my research when i go into when i'm interviewing someone um and try to make sure that i've done my research and we always 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 have what we call a briefing chat we always pre-talk to people beforehand which for me I know people think, oh, well, if you do that, does that mean that when they, you know, when they come to you, it's a little bit, you know, they've already been through things. But I've found that that's not the case, actually. I think I, it often allows me to, to, to know about things that I want to explore more of. Um, and, yeah, I guess my thing is to just make people as comfortable as possible and try not to, to rush them um, and just, yeah, give them the time. I think for me that's 
how I find is the best way to peel back layers. Um, yep. Very interesting. Yeah, I feel like active listening is such a mm. skill. You know, it's a hard that, one. Though. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, easy. I, for everybody in conversation, you have sort mm -hmm. of an agenda, you think, or you have like, you maybe your research and you think, you, you know, you know the way a conversation yes. is going to go. But then if you're so focused on that research, then you might not be as open to hearing the other things that they're telling you. So it's very much a skill. Um, actually, I want to bounce off of that. Um, does anybody have any like, like stories or, or, or tips and tricks for how to be a better listener? Um, or even just like how you model your own interviews with people that you may, um, that you may have on your shows. Um, I guess, uh, Kim, if, uh, if you want to go first, that we could do that. And nobody, you don't have to answer this question if it's, if it's not relevant to you. Kim, are you there? Oh, I am. Sorry, I, I was muted. Here we go. There's the second one, Darius. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, so, sorry. So you were asking what are my tips and tricks? Yeah, and just like how how have you? I don't know. Or if it sounds like you sort of answered the question. The reason I'm asking this question is more of, of a bounce off from your original answer. But I want, I'm wondering if there's any um, advice you would give listeners who are looking to 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 bring other people onto their shows if they have a show or just be a better active yeah I, I try to match the tone of the person I'm speaking to just in terms of like the energy I know it sounds a bit odd but if, if someone is trying to I, I, I guess in my desire to make the person feel comfortable um, I, I am trying to kind of bring as much warmth and also to just um, try match the kind of the mood or the tone, if that makes sense. Because um, I think for me, making someone feel relaxed, making someone feel comfortable. So I do a lot of before we even start, sort of, you know, making sure do you have, you know, want a glass of water? We can always retake an answer if you want to. Just a little bit of like pre-recording um, admin. So that the person just sort of realizes that because often when you start recording, you press record, people t t stiffen up and might put on, you know, kind of a radio voice. So to try kind of slide into the interview as gently as possible, I find um, if you can do that, that tends to help. Cool. Um, does anybody, Darius, it looks like maybe you have an answer. Yeah, I, I was going to add a little. One, I think that answer is amazing. We, we have a section on our show that is specifically used to like warm people up and slide them in, make them forget that there's a microphone in front of them. It's to make them laugh and, and connect them. But then when you start talking about how to listen inside of an interview from a very functional and a very tactical standpoint, there are a couple of strategies that, that we use on, on wild black. Um, mm. It's a, a co-hosted show myself and a, my co-host are there together. I'd say seven times out of 10, we're both together. In those rights, we we have roles that we play. His role will be to come into the interview somewhat uninformed on the topic. We purposely don't have him do significant research. And his job is to listen as a listener would. His job is to pay attention to the literal words that are coming out of the guest's mouth to make sure that we build in the right direction. In those cases, cool absolutely. In those cases, my job is to listen for feeling and emotion and then to always be able to build toward the, the right direction for the question to go. And, and that's when both of us are there. Those are the easiest interviews, because what you'll find is if you listen as an interviewer, you get into a conversation versus an interview and it may feel very good but it doesn't always translate into great audio, right? Because you want to make sure that your your listener is engaged, informed, and brought along. And although people mistake this often, people don't just love listening to other conversations, right? They they listen for purpose. So you need to be much more intentional. Now, when it's <clears throat> when it's just me or it's just him in the room, it's it's a bit more difficult because now you have to juggle the next question matching the energy, 
containing the emotion. And in those cases, I take things significantly slower, like noticeably slower in the interview itself. It doesn't translate into audio. And I make sure that the guest and I stay really, really close in topic. And as I, I often let them lead more. And my job now turns into, like I call them the, the, the bumper on the, when you go bowling, right? My job at this point is to just keep the ball from going out of the lane and direct it, but don't steer it, if you will. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very careful balance that I've begun to like really understand as an interviewer that changes depending on the dynamic in the room. So hopefully that helps someone from a function. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. You're sort of dividing and conquering. You're, you know, like it's, you're taking, I think, a lot of what Tim was t- saying, but like sort of dividing it amongst two people. Absolutely. Probably makes it a lot easier. Yes. Because I, as a listener, you know, I, I have a, a small podcast. It's just more of like an audio newsletter now, but I, I'm more of a listener. Like that's where sort of my, my time is spent. And I've often listened to interviews that I'm thinking, and I, and I leave thinking, oh, I wish they asked this other question. If they were only listening a little bit closer, I think like because they probably had their preconceived list of questions that they just went through the list and then asked. Um, I feel like they, there were some missed opportunities. So I really think that's a very smart strategy. Absolutely. And one, one other thing I, I add, um, when people say like I have a small podcast, I always love to jump in and say, Although it may be small in, in numbers or, or impact to you personally, I guarantee you it's big to someone who's receiving the information you're laying out. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, I, I just meant that, like, that's not the main thing. Like, I think for, like, most of the people on this panel, the main uh, product, I guess, is your podcast, whereas, like, my podcast is more tangential to the project. Absolutely. Like a, just a, an add-on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that. I think that's very true. Of course. Um, um, I don't know if Ben or Alex have has an answer that they'd like to share with on that on that front about active listening for tips and tricks. I can I can hop in with I, and and also if anybody who is listening to this is a podcaster or an aspiring podcaster, I hope you caught everything you just heard because those were amazing tips. Um, and as far as being effective at active listening, I think it's also I I, I try to encourage people to know they can do that. You know, because the you do have to create that like mental bandwidth to be paying attention as you host or as you interview, but also beyond that, you're a person. Like if if something that's worth being more than a tangent pops up, you'll probably catch it because you'll hear them mention it and it'll it'll trip you in a good way. Um, and then the other thing I'm thinking of that this might be this might be more of a tip for people doing you know information driven podcasting or anything else, but I have found it's really, really nice to openly not know stuff. Like I, I, I think part of the hook of my show is that I have a large body of knowledge, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm a person, I don't know everything. And I think some of the richest stuff has been when I ask a question that maybe makes me look dumb, but it, it's just cause I don't know. And I'm really excited to find out, uh, you know, what they can give me and, and what is going on with it. Because those those like simple questions about the incredibly basic thing of something can be really rich. Uh, we did, did an episode about grapefruits. And I randomly had one of my guests be someone whose grandfather was an orange grower in like the Fresno area of California. And he started talking about how his grandfather had to switch from regular oranges to cuties, like the littler ones. And I think the question I asked him was, did he have to do new trees? Which is, is not like the smartest agricultural question in the world, I don't think. But I really wanted to know, like, that's that was all I could figure out for how to phrase it. And we got something out of it. It was very nice. Very cool. That reminds me of one of my favorite podcasts is Ologies with Allie Ward. Yeah, and totally. And her whole tagline is, ask smart people dumb questions. <laughs> sort of like leaning into the dumb question. That's fine, you know? Yeah, um, and it's honest. Yeah. Like it, it's it's where I'm at or they're at when they're coming at it. So I, I, th- I think that resonates. Right, um, Ben. I don't know if you had anything to add there. No pressure. Um, I, I don't interview people as such or at all, really, apart from bonus episodes sometimes. But um, I think something that Darius had mentioned that just sort of resonated with me there was that 
Um, and you mentioned about the bowler alley um, and you use the analogy of being a bumper to sort of direct people to a viewpoint rather than sort of steering them. And, and, and I feel that's the same with, you know, when you're writing a narrative as well. Like sometimes you want people to see something from a, a perspective, um, but you don't want to hit them over the head with it. You know, you just you just need to sort of steer them sort of, you know, you, you sort of bump them into that direction so that they can get there themselves. I feel like if you don't want to come across preachy at all, you know, mm. like, or, or I don't particularly want to come across as <laughs> preachy or, you know, and, and again, um, you know, because I, 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 oftentimes I only know as much about a subject as the listener um, and sometimes less, um, you know, if a listener's coming into a particular uh, episode that they, they might, be their, their their sort of area of expertise yeah. you know I, I know significantly less than them um so I it, I sort of feel like sometimes it's a I'm sort of learning alongside the audience so we're let's say I, I try not to sort of steer people at all just sort of like bump them into a yeah a sort of narrative that you know to follow the sort of narrative that I'm following yeah absolutely uh, one of the tips I would give is just like and just completely practically is like it's hard not, it's hard you know if you're agreeing with somebody not to interrupt them because you want to be like oh and or or you're really excited about the conversation you're engaged but it's really important not to do that and what I just do instead is just write myself a note so that I don't forget it and I can just come back to it and but also like keep listening so I write a quick note like just a, a word or two and that way I could come back to it it's off my mind it's not taking up brain space and I can move on so um, well, I think we're coming up very close to the end, and I know Norma Jean wanted me to give um, a minute or two, but um, Norma Jean, do we have a minute just to let everybody kind of give their favorite, you know, their um, favorite episode to create question? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's go with that. So um, what has been your favorite episode to create and share with your audience? Um, Kim. Um, well, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's going to say the same, but um, I'm going to go for one called PTSD and Me. Um, this, I have a colleague I've been, I've known for six years. Her name is uh, Victoria Orhunda, and she's Rwanda Norwegian. And uh, we've been very good friends for a long time. We joined the BBC at the same time. And um, she had left Rwanda in 1994 um, as, a, as a result of the genocide there. But it was something that we never spoke about. We just didn't. I didn't ask her any questions because I felt if she wanted to say something about, you know, what happened to her, what led her family to leave, she would. And so it was just something that we didn't address. Um, but last year, you know, during COVID, we're having long, long conversations. And she, you know, said that she, you know, wanted to, to do an episode with us um, to talk about, what happened with her family and the fallout and you know what's happened you know the results of that and the PTSD she struggles with as a result of her events in Rwanda and she went through a very 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 difficult time there and so we ended up doing this episode and the reason why I love this episode um, is because for me it was as much a voyage of discovery for me as it was for the listener, um, getting to know Victoria's story, which I really didn't know about, um, and getting to know this incredible, incredible woman. And, you know, she's turned out, you know, and, and the struggles that I was unaware of that she has to sort of deal with on a daily basis. So, yeah, that's my episode, PTSD oh, and me. That's pretty, that sounds powerful. And again, Kim mm -hmm. is the host of The Calm, so, and it's <laughs> called PTSD and me. Thank for you. For those of you who may have missed the title. Um, Daria. Yep. So, you know, there's always two answers with me. My my first answer and, and most honest answer is I don't think it's been told for me yet. And and I say that because my, my best stories get better as I get better and as the people around me get better and as our, our abilities get better. So I'm always excited for the story yet to be told. If I have to look back at my catalog, it has to be an episode called Me myself and my cello. And the reason I say that is because we interviewed a professional cellist by the name of Okori Oke Cello Johnson. And he's classically trained, he's played all over the world, but he's also opened up for Killer Mike. And he's on rap and hip hop albums, he plays hip hop, he, he does everything. And on top of that, he used to be an English professor. And so when you sit down 
and, and you speak with him. And we talked about his viewpoints on where Black America is, the African diaspora, the direction of the culture, the community, the continent. Um, I got a chance to interview his internal God-given voice, the one he speaks with, as well as his external voice, which is his cello. I, I asked questions directly to each voice and he responded in kind with those voices. So you get a chance to hear him talk so eloquently and so beautifully about the future he sees for people. Um, you get a chance to hear him talk about raising his daughters to become who they are destined to be. And then you get to hear his cello speak over all that and add this amazing and rich energy and context to the story he's painting. And you walk away with like, it's like a three-dimensional audio conversation. It's, it's not like the normal experience. It's not like just sitting down and watching television. You feel it in a way that you don't normally feel, right? Your emotions are impacted because this picture is so deep that he's painted. And he does it across the en entire show. The moment you turn the episode on, we intro it with some of his, his playing. And then you very quickly get a little bit of backdrop on who he is. And then he begins to just weave this amazing, beautiful, intellectual, and deep story about directions and where we're going. And it's, it is just amazingly done. And that is, that is my favorite episode that's been created. And I'm actually looking to do something very, very similar um, coming up really, really soon. I won't give much more on that, but you got to check that episode out. I can vouch. That's me, myself, and my cello from Wild Black. I listened to that the other day. It was very good. Thank you. Um, ben from Dark Histories. Favorite episode? So my, definitely from a technical perspective, it's almost most recent because I'm always learning and, and you know, getting better, hopefully. But definitely my, my favorite episode that's left a lasting impression is it's called The Second Life of Om Seti. Um, and it's about a woman who was born um, it's late, uh, early 20th century, like on the turn of the 20th century. And whether or not she has this story where she says she was reincarnated from an ancient Egyptian. And, and, but whether or not you believe that or not is, is irrelevant because ultimately what it comes down to, it's a story about a, a woman in a time where women had very little sort of rights and, and, and access to education and stuff. And she self-educated herself she rode a horse miles to get to libraries so that she could learn hieroglyphics and and ancient egyptian history and she, you know she sacked off school and and, and went and just say did a lot of self-education and then she basically carved a life out for herself that she wanted and it's just just such a hero like an absolute inspiration for me and i think that that left a lasting impression she's an incredibly strong, powerful woman in a time when I say like it, it, she would have been very downtrodden and um, she carved the life out that she wanted. And it was very inspirational. Um, so yeah, the second life of Omsetti is, is my favorite episode, I think. Great. And finally, Alex from Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. And, and thank you all so much for all this. I, uh, as far as favorite episode, I, I think a, a bit like what Ben said, I'm always, my mind's always on the latest one. And uh, I, we, we, the newest one now is about number two pencils. We talked about it a bit. Uh, the next one on Monday is about the ampersand. It turns out the shape of it and the name of it and just the basic use of it. There, there's, I mean, it's, it's the title of the show. It's, it's secretly incredibly fascinating. Uh, and I, I even find that like, I'll be, talking to listeners about the one that's out and need to bring my mind back to that because I'm two weeks ahead or three weeks ahead, just getting excited about uh, the next thing. So the, the one about ampersands coming and then after that one about the U.S. Forest Service, there's a story about, uh, it's called the Triple Nickels. It was a black paratrooper regiment in World War II that probably for racial reasons was prevented from serving in Europe in the fighting. And so they became smoke jumpers. They became uh, like parachuting firefighters who fight forest fires. And they helped protect the West from forest fires and, and probably contributed in some way to the integration of the armed forces. So there, there's always something and I'm, I'm just kind of forward looking with the whole thing. Very cool. 
Well, thank you guys all so much for joining us. I know that we went over, so I want to hand it back to Norma Gina as soon as possible. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Adela. Thank you all so much. I'm going to read our brief outro. Um, and Alex, just really quickly, you mentioning the episode on the ampersand. We have a live episode with Grammar Girl for her 15th anniversary on Saturday at 3 p.m. as part of Storytelling Podcast Week. So um, for all of our yeah, it's, we're super excited. So um, for all of our panelists here, thank you. I'm going to read our brief outro. And for our panelists for our next uh, panel, please feel free to call in. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this live stream, Pulling the Thread, Finding the Stories Within Our Daily Lives, hosted by Adela Mizrachi from Podcast Brunch Club with Alex Schmidt from Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, Kim Chakanetsa from BBC's The Comb, Darius Hicks from Wild Black, and Ben Cutmore from Dark Histories. If you join late or want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters or any of today's sessions, you can replay the program on the Storytelling Podcast Week channel. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 500,000 podcasts. And as you're joining us for this session, you can see we also offer the ability to live stream directly from the app to your audience with Podbean Live, where podcasts come to life. For everyone listening, you can also start your own live stream for free on Podbean. And to get your first 30 days of hosting for free, use the code STORY. Thank you again to all of our panelists, Alex Schmidt from Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, Kim Chakanetsa from BBC's The Comb, Darius Hicks from Wild Black, Ben Cutmore from Dark Histories, and our moderator of the session, Adela Misrachi from Podcast Brunch Club. Thank you all for joining for this session, pulling the thread, finding the stories within our daily lives.